Well, hey, look, uh, I have the honor and privilege of spearheading part one of our sermon series, Resurrection. And uh, I just want to say I am blue V ecstatic this morning to deliver the word that God has placed on my heart for every single one of you here. And so uh, basically, I, I feel like I'm so excited because... We are about to, if you're a believer uh, of Christ, then we are getting into ramping up for one of the greatest dates in the history of humanity, and that is the resurrection of Jesus and a saving grace that we're able to enter into now because of what Jesus did. And so uh, it is an exciting time because uh, the captives have been set free. Free from what? Some of you might ask. Free from what exactly? Well. Wow. The mind games for yourself, the words possibly spoken over yourself and, and various things, but hey, we're going to jump right in to Scripture today. A little bit different, we're going to read a bit of a, 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 a big passage, but I, I want to encourage you, church, journey with me, if it means close your eyes and actually picture this uh, scenario taking place. I want you to journey with me as we venture into Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21, and we'll end at verse 42. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, it's all good. We, we're going to have it up on the screen. Um, we'll pray for you later. No, no, just hang. But if you're taking notes, the subheading for my message today is get up. And the concept of this really in the heart before we jump into Scripture is that if we would just learn to actually get up, out of some things in our life and walk in the purposes, or the purpose, I should say, of what God has ordained over our life. Cool, you with me, church? We good this morning? We awake? You should be. You guys came to the last service. Come on. You guys got the extra sleep in. Awesome. Let us read together, starting at verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from the suffering. At once, Jesus realized power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who just touched my gears? Or in the Bible saying, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched you? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And in the words of SpongeBob, three hours later, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. 
When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. Final verse saying, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and blessed Jesus because he knew and told them to give her something to eat. Food is good. Let us pray. Lord, I ask, speak today. Speak here. Amen. Awesome. Well, hey, look. This story is so fantastic, so awesome, because whether we see it straight away or whether we read it a couple of times, we realize that the story is about two people colliding in a situation and a circumstance that generally wouldn't have taken place. We find that Jairus, with an issue with his daughter, comes face to face with another lady that would be deemed unclean, that would be deemed as a person, stay out of the church, stay out of the restaurant, stay out of everything, you're dirty, you have a health issue, stay away. And yet the two worlds collide in such a drastic, intrinsically connected story that we find ourselves in Mark chapter 5 reading, even to this day, about two miracles that take place. And so, as we jump into the scripture, I really want us to look at a couple of different things that we find, because God wants to radicalize your life this morning. Amen? Awesome. Hey, look, just before I forget, for those of you who don't know, I am what you would consider a hollerback preacher. So if there is anything that I speak out or say out loud that uh, resonates with your soul, or you're like, that is so good. I've never thought about that. Let me hear it. It's not for me. It is so that if you get louder, I get faster, and then we get outside earlier to enjoy the rest of the day. And so I know all of you are like, oh yeah, let's go. I'm going to be so loud. But it is this concept. If anything resonates with your soul, let me know and we will preach up a storm because God is good all the time. That's right. So jumping into verse 26 to 28, this lady that has an issue with bleeding finds herself in a moment where she's tried everything that she could absolutely everything, went to all the doctors, spent everything that she could, traded in everything because she knew she didn't have to suffer but couldn't understand why is nothing working. If doctors and people can't help me, then what do I do? Has anyone else ever been in a situation like that before? Where possibly someone's spoken over your life and says, oh, actually, it's not really going to get better. It's only going to get worse and you sort of got to deal with it. So um, that's the cards you were dealt. And so either you hand them in or you play out the game knowing you're going to lose. My friends, I want to remind you this morning of when it says verse 27, she heard about Jesus, came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak. Verse 28 says, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. See, some of us have been spoken over whether it's by doctors, whether it's by friends, whether it's by family members, you've wanted to go do something or you've wanted to get out of an addiction or something like this, and they say, ah, you're not really good enough to be able to do that. You're sort of just a bit of a low life and you're going to stay that way. 
And I want to encourage you that Jesus actually says the total opposite, and especially in the story, if you can understand that if you would just hear the message of Jesus this morning, you would understand that you can have a thought like such that would set you free. It would lead you into a place where your actions could then position you in a place of miracles for you to receive from God. And I hear you. Some of you are like, ah, I don't know. Sort of might not work like that. What if it sort of did? What if it was just a thought, a thought of that you aren't good enough, and if you would reposition that to that you are, and that there is still hope, and that there is still a purpose, and there is still good things to come in your life, if you would just switch it, what if you did? And what if Jesus would make himself real to you? And what if he would answer your prayers? And just what if he would come in and restore some relationships in your life? And what if he would actually prove himself to you? Wow. We find ourselves in a story where a lady thinks the exact same thing. And as we jump over to the verse afterwards, it tells us and shows us that she receives a blessing because of that. You know, in uh, a very personal note, we're over, we're, we've jumped over, uh, Elam Hamilton has jumped over to the university and we've been pressing in over there. It's been a couple of weeks now and we've planted a couple of connect groups. And uh, we, we shared with a couple of people and the word started getting out to other churches and various people and that we were going to be going over there and we we're going to be running connect groups and it's going to be a swell time and it's awesome because this is what God has spoken to us. This is what God has laid to us. And then we go into a place and we have this conversation and we're having conversations with all these people and you'll think, especially being churchgoers, high five! A bit of a, bit of a clink clink and, and let's celebrate, like, you know, uh, uh, no. And we find ourselves in a place where it was all but everyone exactly in the same way finding ourselves, nah, it's just not going to work. There is no hope for the university. Those guys are so far gone, it's too late. And if we would go back to verse 26 to 28 and talk about this concept where, nah, nah, I've had a bit of a different thought and something has occurred to me that possibly hasn't for you. And it is that I think that if we would just go over there and just start one connect group, two connect groups, maybe four, and have a bit of a go at it, and then eventually launch services that we would just create, possibly, a small avenue in which people would actually encounter God in such a radical way that it would change their lives. I'm just thinking. It's just a thought. And so I would say, church, would you just have a thought today about what happens if you do touch his clothes? And what happens if you do receive that healing? And just what if he just happened to be just real enough that he would transform, transform your life completely? I could have listened to those voices, though, you know. Could have actually listened to all those people. And, oh, yeah, actually, Waikato University is a bit of a, bit of a hole. Can it get more of a hole than Hamilton? I guess so, because that's the uni. But, um, and this is what people used to say, you know, but so what? It's our hole. And it's Jesus' hole. And he wants to raise that hole up and create a mountaintop experience for some people. Can you hear me this morning, church? Let us not look to our situation that we find ourselves in and actually transform our perspective and our thinking through the faith that God has gifted us. Because it's not about where you are at right now, because God wants to remind you that there is something greater for you if you would look past your situation and find yourself in a place where you say, actually, what are you saying, God? What are you doing, Jesus? Can you prove yourself? This is where we're at, church. 
Verse 34 to 35. Yet again, the whole point of the story started with Jairus, the synagogue leader. Someone say a pastor, if you will. And he's watching a story unravel in which he didn't want written. Let me explain. Daughter, your faith has healed you. He watches this lady receive a blessing. And Jairus is standing there saying, okay, come on, Jesus. Like, do you think? Yeah, I, I understand you're going to do these crazy cool things, but hurry up. Like, my daughter's going to die. She's really sick. I don't think you quite understand. And he gets the news. Well, she gets her news. See this, church, because both of them receive news clips. Both of them receive an answer One is the answer that was wanted. One is the answer that wasn't wanted. And Jairus stands here and receives that his daughter has died. Why do you bother the teacher now? Leave Jesus alone. Your daughter's dead. There's nothing that can be done. And I can only imagine that Jairus is standing here like so many of us. We find ourselves when someone else comes up for that crunchy celebration in church. When one of our family members celebrates a win. Church, do we find ourselves in a place where sometimes we actually go, that's my win? You're, you're actually sort of stealing my blessing? Like, I've been praying about this for ages and ages and ages, and you're stealing what was owed to me. Jairus is standing here in this moment thinking, if Jesus had hurried up and this woman hadn't intervened, I wouldn't be getting this news of my daughter dying in that moment. See, he finds himself in a situation where he would find that his daughter is dead, yet this lady is receiving abundance. This miracle that has taken place in Jairus' standing in church, have we ever been in a situation where you've looked at someone and said, why is that person receiving what was mine? In the Bible, we call that envy. In the Bible, we call that jealousy. And these are not characteristics in which God wants for you in your life because all it will do is steal your joy. It will steal your hope. It will steal your faith in a situation and rob you of possibly walking into a miracle of it in and of itself. Because imagine if Jairus was just like, yeah, sure, that's a good point. Okay. My daughter's dead. Let's go mourn. And the story stops there. Because that could have happened. But Jesus, with his elephant-sized ears, eavesdropping as he does, we find ourselves in verse 36 where he reminds Jairus, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Knows exactly what they're talking about, understands truly. How many times do we need to be reminded? Hey, look, I know what's going on for you guys. I can possibly understand a little bit that the financial struggle is real that your parents are that just, just that annoying, or your brother or sister is just that frustrating that you want to kick them. But don't be afraid because there is still hope. There is still a greater thing at work. There is still a better plan for your life. And if you would just listen to what Jesus is saying in this moment, even right now, church, you would understand. Do not be afraid. Just believe in me. Believe in my word. Believe what I did. Believe what I have spoken over your life. Because it is a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. I know right now you are looking at a position where you are being harmed completely, but God would say, do not look to what is seen. For if you would come into a place and actually realize, do not be afraid, do not look to your situation, but look to me and know that I am working for you in the midst of all the chaos. God is sovereign. 
And what I need you to recognize, church, that even when you find yourself not understanding, what God has for you is 100% for you. You will never miss out on the purpose and the plan that God has for you. The only way that you will actually miss out is if you just don't walk in it. If you just don't step into the life of Jesus and, and his free gift of grace that he has so greatly purchased us with. But if you do, you will receive what God has for you because it is for you. We need to stop putting Jesus and God into a bracket of they're like my parents. They're like my friends that only give when they receive. God doesn't need anything from you, but he will always pour out over in your life and always work towards a greater purpose and plan for your life. Do you hear me this morning, church? I say again, do you hear me, church? Because at the end of the day, this isn't for my benefit. This is, if you would just hear this word this morning, church, there is something that God wants to download into your life so you can walk in abundance. Verse 39 and 40. This is a great one. We find in this small passage, this concept of Jesus walking in and he says, why all the commotion? What are you guys, what are you guys, what, what are you complaining about? Cut it out. The child is not dead. He's just asleep hanging out, and they have the audacity <laughs> to laugh at him, and then we get a glimpse of savage Jesus after he put them out. There's this concept like, as a Christian or as, as, as possibly a faith-filled person, that we have to be poverty-minded, that we've got to be man-fearing, and we're like walking around like, oh, oh, watch out, your toes are over there, I don't want to, like, and there's this concept, I don't know where we get it from because it is so unbiblical, that we have to tiptoe around and we have to worry. Even when Jesus has told you to go do something, you still tiptoe into that place that he's called you into. And this is where we get a picture of savage Jesus where he rocks in and they laugh at him. He's like, she, she's not dead. She's asleep. I, I, I sort of get a picture of this cackling, you know, like when, when you know someone's clinically insane all but because of what they've just said and you're like, what? You're crazy. And he actually forces them all out. He comes into a place where I personally see Jesus grabbing them and forcing them out. Like, hey, can get out of here. You need to remove yourself because what is about to take place, you are just not in the right mindset to actually comprehend what is about to take place. So get out of here. Church, how many of us right now need a people removal service in your life? How many of us right now have some people in our life that are causing us to second guess, to, to question things and promises and, and great ideas that we've even brought up in our own mind. I'm going to go do this. No, you're not going to do that. It doesn't pay enough. You're going to go do something boring and do dumb stuff. Um, oh, but I, I want to. And they're just like, eh, nah, you're not really good enough. And all these people that just laugh at the concept when you proclaim something over your life. How many of us need to actually take the moment to remove some people that are holding you back? Because God has something for every single one of you. And if you would grasp the concept that it just maybe, just maybe, the people that you've grown up with aren't necessarily the ones that are going to pull the God out of you enough so that you can walk in your purpose, but they actually want to hold you back like a bit of an anchor so that you can cruise around for sore back and get a sore head because all they want to proclaim over your life is rubbish because they are indeed jealous of you trying to step out. 
Church, can we remove some people from our lives today that need be? And I'm not saying go home and kick your mum in the head or anything crazy like that. Oh, the pastor did this kick and I was like, I'll try it on you. And, and No, no, that'll probably get you arrested. I'm not saying that. But, but it is this concept you actually may have to remove some people in your life. And I'm not talking about everyone. This isn't like a cult where you have to sacrifice everything. No. But what I'm saying is there might be some people in your life that are pulling you down far too much. In my eyes, I call it dead weight. And what you do with dead weight is get rid of it. Sometimes. Sometimes. Anyway, moving on. Hey. Awesome. Jumping over to verse 41 and 42. And here is the concept of the miracle that takes place. 41 says, He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum. And the, the subheading of this message is birthed out of this concept that if church we would get up out of every single situation you find yourself in to not look into the same places. Some places you are just stuck in that place. You are actually, because you can't really technically get rid of your family or your blood or whatever it is, but God is still calling you to get out, out of anxiety, get up out of depression, get up out of the crazy mindset you have found yourself in, get up out of the situation. For some of you, it might mean get up out of that job. I didn't call you there. But if you would get up and out, you would actually immediately receive your blessing because God is actually always working for your good and only your good at every single waking moment. In the story, we see God says, get up, little girl. Verse 42 says, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. And I would be completely astonished just like the rest of them. Imagine that. But it's this concept that God is at work. And church, I really want us to get into a place. Let that hope begin to rise again. Like let joy begin to rise in your life again. Let you come into a place of actual goodness, of actual walking in God's plans that he has for you, and you'll start to see your life actually outworked in such a way where it will be full of success. Do you understand, church? Are you with me? Can you hear the words that are being spoken? If you would just get up out of your situation to make an executive decision for your life and say, get up out of this mess, because if you would, you would come into a place where you would set the stage for miracles and God's plan to be outworked in your life. And I guarantee, if you only just take a glimpse into my short time that I've been spending with God, you would see the goodness. And I'm only 25 years old. 2015, I stepped out of my extremely well-paying job and felt God nudge me towards internship. And I stepped out of that, loans, debt, all the rest of it, and stepped into internship and whew, another time I'll share all the great things that happened with that. 2016, the opportunity to go over to America. Blinged up, what's up? That's right. Got married over there. And that in and of itself was a, a year in America was just fantastic and gained a new family. And oh, 2017, come back, doors open for work, being able to provide for my wife door opens even at church to be able to come on at staff. 2018, we get into this place where God reminds me in 2015, he laid on my heart to go over to the university and start pressing in and, and just, if, if he did it for you, Orion, he can do it for someone else. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great word because if he can do it for me, church, he can do it for you. And so let this hope begin to rise in my life. 2019, we get into a place where we move closer 
and uh, we received the greatest house, the blessing. Man, it's, it's the prime location. Yes, we are still renting. We didn't get given it, but it's this concept, prime location. And our landlord is an ex-pastor and he's been consistently praying for us. I could have not worked this out better for myself if I even tried. Do you hear me? And we start running connect groups and we start getting university students connected. And, and don't get me wrong, it's only small beginnings now. We've got, a, we've got a handful of students, but I know what God has said. And I know that there is hope in his message. And I know that there is hope in the relationship of Jesus. And I know that there is hope in a relationship when we as a whanau get together on Sundays and connect groups during the week, that we can actually start to move toward what God's plan is for our life instead of being stuck stagnant in the rubbish place that you possibly have just happened to start and God would say, Talitha Kum, get up. Get up out of that dead situation. Get up out of that rubbish place you have found yourself in and walk in your true purpose and what I have spoken over your life. Church, would you get up today? Don't leave it another day. Would you get up and let joy start to come back in? Let hope start to come back in and actually realize God is so, 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 so good. And what I found for me is this ultimate life hack, if you will, to outsee this in our lives, to outsee this in my life, really, and, and I guarantee it'll absolutely work for you, is this concept of, I don't know, it's sort of called this thing called connect groups. If you would get connected with the right people at the right time, it will be the right thing. Sometimes you can get connected to the wrong people at the right time, it's still the wrong thing. And it might be the right thing, but it's the wrong time, so it's still the wrong thing. Connect groups is an opportunity for you guys to relate, to find support, no strings attached. This concept that there is a lot of friends that I guarantee even to this day, you still hold the mask on. You still hold things back from them. But connect groups, if you are not connected, this is most definitely your next step. If you would just get connected into a connect group, term two is coming up soon, or the end of term one, term two, and there's all these connect groups starting up, and, and there's connect groups even over at the university if you're over there, but, or if you know anyone that's over there. But this concept, if you would just get around people that would pull the God purpose out of you, pull the God plan out of you, and you would start to walk in His promises, man, I guarantee your life will be so different. But you've got to take that step. So this is your next step, church. If you are not connected, I highly recommend that you seek to get connected in connect groups. What if we had a group of people that we could actually go to with problems and they would actually help. You know how sometimes you have friends and they sort of just like, they don't really help. And, 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 and instead of actually helping, they sort of just push you to dumb things, substitutes, if you will, counterfeits, if you will. And so church, can we get connected this week? If you forget anything that I've said, that's all good. But what, one thing I want you to I want to remind you not to forget. You cannot forget this statement: is this that the best is yet to come, church? The best is still yet to come. And even when you find yourself on a mountaintop, the best is still yet to come because that is our God. If you would just walk in the purpose and plan of God, if you would just accept the free gift of grace and start to outwork His plan in your life, the best when it comes to Jesus, the best will always be yet to come. 
I need you to understand that, church. Because if you aren't walking with God and you're outside of that right now, sadly, in a lot of ways, you will struggle to see how the best is still yet to come. Because in Jesus, there is hope. There is a plan. There is a purpose.